Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Hello friends. So, why are we here? Why the video? I've been asked by one of my Patreon supporters. Um, he said, Chris, uh, I'm a drug worker. I've been asked to go into schools and talk to the young people about drugs. Have you got any suggestions? Um, the answer to that is, well, yes. Yes, I have. Um, and to date, the traditional approach to dealing with this issue, this, this kind of implementation of, let's say, drug education, it's been very outdated and it's, it's influenced by all sorts of uh, influences that aren't necessarily helpful. For example, the government, drug policy, superstition, our, let's call it like our parents' generation that were kind of like scared of everything and believed everything they saw on the, on the television, right? And that's led to this kind of approach of, well, if I just frighten the young people enough about something that, like, if I was honest, I don't really know much about myself. Well, that will work, and then they won't do it. And, yeah, that's a, as a parent or an educator or a, or a concerned loved one, that'll do it. That'll work, right? Well, it, it's kind of not going to work, is it? And if if that comes as a surprise to you, then please hear me out, and, and I will just try to explain why um, I'm looking down here because I've just made some notes because I take this very seriously I'm, ju I'm just going to talk so if you care about this issue just just watch to the end you know we're not talking about YouTube flashy video here and and and, and loads of like shots of people sticking needles in there I'm just going to talk all right Bear with me. You might get something out of it. I, you know, that's my intention. So I just explain who I am. If you don't know me, my name is Chris Thrall. Uh, I'm currently an author, a public speaker, an extreme endur endurance um, athlete, an international explorer, traveler, kind of adventurer. Um, I. I have a degree in youth work, so working with young people. I've studied at master's degree level in social work. I've worked for a, about three years in a proper drug agency. So you can kind of think of that as an addictions agency, right? So the, the people that when you've got a problem, like you go and see and 
you know, this is kind of a myth that they're all going to fi fix you or fix your your loved one or young, your young person, but it, it doesn't quite work like that. Maybe we'll, we'll come on to it, right? Um, and you need to know that I left the Royal Marines Commandos, a very kind of prestigious, um, elitist job. And I, I went to Hong Kong to run a business. And then, uh, to use terminology we understand, my demons kind of caught up with me. You know, the demons of having a traumatic childhood caught up with me. And I went through an experience. That's all it was. It was an experience. My experience happened to be crystal meth. Uh, amongst other things, which I got chronically addicted to in Hong Kong, as in, like, I wanted to live on this stuff every day because I felt so brilliant, right? And it seemed like the key in the lock for me. As a result of that, I descended, it, my life descended into chaos. I became schizophrenic. It, 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 when it comes to drugs, they call it psychosis, but you can think of it as a, a, a form of schizophrenia in which I really was trying to make sense of the world, but it was very, very hocus, you know, I was going to say hocus pocus, but, you know, it, 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 things just didn't like make sense. And I certainly wasn't really making sense of them. I was very ill. The doctor said I would never recover. They talked to my parents about um, putting me in a mental health unit, possibly for the rest of my life. It, it was a very harrowing experience for all of us. But it didn't need to be as bad as it was. And the reason it was as bad as it was is the simple lack of education that we have when it comes to um, drugs and addiction. And also understanding the difference between the two. Um, now, what you should also know is that since my, uh, if you want to use the term recovery, I've gone on to travel all of this planet that you see behind me. I've lived, worked and travelled now in 80 countries across all seven continents. As I mentioned, I'm a best-selling author. Um, I'm a qualified pilot, a skydiver, I'm an advanced scuba diver, I'm an Antarctic explorer, or I've at least explored part of the Antarctic. I've scuba dived on icebergs down there. Um, I'm a very proud father. Uh, I try to be a good partner. And I'm more align now with the spiritual side of the world without trying to sound hippie it's like i i appreciate the simple things and i like to wake up happy which i do like every day even when i'm unhappy my experiences led me to the point where i know that i'm actually i am happy and i go to bed happy and i ride the rough with a smooth no difference i deal with issues like um bereavement very well, much more so than you can see other people dealing with it in society. It's kind of like the Australians would say, no dramas for me, right? And I've a, I've been enabled to do all these things because of the 
I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the positive experience of addiction that I had and where it took my mind and where I where I came out the other end of okay so right um let me just I don't, I don't want to miss anything here now first of all let's just get one thing clear I'm doing this for free I get paid no money for this I'm not monetized on YouTube um, hopefully I will be one day so I'm doing this for free and I'm doing it because I've been asked right your friend asked you to do something you're going to help them I'm not trying to say I'm the be all end all authority on drugs or addiction I just have a lot of experience in it right it's also we really need to know that every person is individual Every case study or scenario is unique. Not every kind of law or rule, whether it's like a law of the universe or a physical law or, or, or a, a, you know, a psychological theory, it's not always going to apply to everybody. I'm going to talk in general terms. And I think, I think you'll come with me on this. I think you'll know like where I'm going, right? Um, so that said, let's start off talking about the difference between drugs and addiction. It's very convoluted, this, this relationship. Much of it is convoluted because of politics. Let's, let's not talk about that for the time being. But, you know, there, there are people that have an avid interest to make sure you're confused and you don't know what this whole subject is actually like about. Um, and when you don't know, it's frightening. And you see your young person who you love dearly. And maybe like they smoked a joint. Oh my God. They're a junkie. They're going to die. Right. It's it's like the truth is very different. So the difference between drugs and addiction. Right. What is a drug? Do you drink coffee in the morning? Do you have a cup of tea? There you go. Prime example. Prime example of kickstarting your day by taking a drug. OK. Um, you obviously have things like the drugs that come to your mind when you think about drugs, heroin, cocaine, crack. Oh, my God. You know, these things, ecstasy, these things we've been made really scared of. Right. And. What you really need to take on board is that the, in the long term, over the course of most people's lives, that isn't the stuff they really need to be worried about. There's two things that most drug workers who've, who are experienced in the job will tell you. Excuse me. I've got a notification come up there. Um, and that is that alcohol is by far the worst drug out there. It's socially acceptable. You can buy it on every, it, you know, I was going to say every street corner, but, you know, from every corner shop. You can buy it at eight in the morning. 
you can buy it at 12 o'clock at night. It's very much promoted in, in our culture in Britain, as it is um, pretty much worldwide, although certain countries obviously have a better relationship with it. You know, why are there countries like France where children will start drinking wine at 12 years old? OK, maybe it's watered down, but, you know, how come like they deal with it? But we are wary of it. Right. So I hope what I have to say will help you understand that. Um, cigarettes. Oh, how many people get ill every year because of cigarettes? Right. Now, I can tell you, I've helped lots of people through addiction. And the two things that they cling on to when they they've got rid of the heroin the amphetamine, the crack, all of that, the chaotic stuff that like you want to get over that because it, it just makes your life miserable. When you're addicted to it and you've done that for years, it makes your life hard, chaotic and miserable. But when they get over that, what are they stuck with? Alcohol, because it's all around and it's easy available. And cigarettes, because it's just such a crutch very hard to kick that one right and i say that because a lot of people will be surprised what alcohol is worse than crack cocaine oh, I, I, like i didn't know that yeah long term if you want like an individual to have the best of their life and you're taking life as case studies the other drugs i mentioned they're very rarely a major kind of reason people die but the alcohol that does kill them and it really does um my best friend died he drank himself to death in one night after a period of alcoholism you know um so now we've always done drugs as a human species okay when when we're in the caves cavemen hunter-gatherers this kind of thing we'd always look for a way let's call it on a Saturday night right I don't know they they obviously didn't have Saturdays back then but you know what I'm saying we want to just change our mindset you know change the, the, what you're essentially doing is changing the chemical reaction in your brain the way that your brain is working and you're you're making it a bit nice or a bit kind of interesting a bit different from just like picking blackberries all day, eating nuts off the tree, trying to chase that rabbit that you never can catch. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? You know, that you do that all day long, every day. Our ancestors look for a way in the evenings to, you know, kind of just change their reality a bit. And, and drugs was the way, right? And they managed it very well, I'm going to suggest. And the reason they managed it very well is they didn't have the stresses and the breakdown of the family unit and community like we have today which really sets issues in people's minds um now so there's your drugs all right coffee in the morning you're taking a drug if you can't start your day without coffee you are addicted to drugs. Um, obviously, 
they're not kind of life wrecking drugs, but I'm just trying to sow the seeds here so that you, you, you understand that, you know, we can be very hypocritical about other people and what they do. And until we look at ourselves, right? Now, what is the difference between drugs and addiction? This is so important to understand. And the reason I say that is, it's like this. Drugs are not as dangerous as you've probably been led to believe by the media. In fact, statistically, taking a drug is actually really safe. It's safer than, say, crossing the road. It's probably as likely you'll die from taking a drug as maybe maybe not quite getting struck by lightning, but say getting hit by a drunk driver, right? It, it's, it's statistically quite rare. Um, the deaths occur from overdose. That tends to be somebody who's used to, who's had a problem with heroin. They're used to injecting the rubbish stuff in their arm or because it's all adulterated on the street level, right? And then one day they get a pure hit. Unexpectedly, they get the good stuff, right? They don't know it's the good. They just think it's the rubbish they're used to. They whack the same amount in their arm and bang. Before you know it, they've passed out. Respiratory system stops working and they die, right? That's called overdose. Similar happens when someone has had a long period off heroin. When they go back on it, for whatever reason, you know, stress, relaxation, bit of excitement, just old habits, right? They go back on it. They do the same amount they used to do when they're at the pinnacle of their addiction. And of course, the tolerance in the body has, has, has disappeared. You know, the tolerance has dropped completely and that big whack pushes them over the edge. Like I say, stop breathing, bang, right? So what I'm trying to say there is that's an act of circumstance. It's not the drug that killed them. If, if, you, get, if you get my drift, right? Then you get these kind of ecstasy deaths that the, the, the tabloid newspapers are very big for trying to scandalise, you know, two people at a festival died from taking ecstasy, you know. My generation was Leah Betts, do you, do you remember that, right? What they don't tell you is, again, statistically, it is so rare. You'd be better putting your money on... Um, I hesitate to give an example for giving some wrong information, but, you know, you, you, you'd be better putting your money on, like, who's going to win the lottery this week. It, it's kind of on the same par. But what happens is very occasionally someone has an allergic reaction to, to, to what it is they're taking or there's an ingredient because all this stuff is unregulated because the government have made it illegal we can't regulate it. We can't tell you what is a safe pill. In the same way with alcohol, 
if you try and sell people antifreeze, immediately, bang, you're you're clamped down on, you go to prison, you know, people are hurting themselves, they're dying. You, 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 you know, you couldn't sell antifreeze in the co-op or in Tesco's or whatever, you know, you know, whatever your American supermarket is, right? You just, you're not allowed to. But because drugs is illegal, it's therefore unregulated. It's kind of run by criminals. Um, occasionally you get this accident where the pill that they take has got some kind of poison in it or, it, or certain people react to it in a certain way and you get a death, right? But again, you know, statistically, it's rare. I'm saying this because if you found out your young person's taking drugs, whatever it might be, you know, you, you, let's not panic here, okay? Let's not panic. Now, what's the difference between drugs and addiction? And why is there this kind of obfuscation, this confusion? Well, let's keep it simple. And let's use a kind of cliched or, or a clinical stereotypical example. My name is um, Ryan. I'm a middle class guy uh, from a family where my, my you know, my mum and dad are, are, are still together they work very hard, but they spend a lot of time. They make sure they spend time with me and my siblings. They they always help me with my homework. They kiss me all the time, even though like I'm four, you know, I'm I'm 16 or 18 now. They're still like, I love you, son. Right. What I'm trying to say is Ryan, he's kind of a sorted young man. He's always had this love. He's done his homework on time. Daddy, you know, helped him with his homework, blah, blah, blah. He goes to a festival, he might take a pill. And he'll go, yeah, well, yeah, I got like really high, man. I hugged a lot of people and I danced for, you know, I danced for eight hours. But, you know, I got to work on Monday. And so that's that, right? Then you get, let's just say, Carl. Carl, well, his dad left a family when he was two. And he's never had any contact. His mum then shacked up with a drug dealer, let's say, who used to beat Cole whenever he got drunk. Cole then failed at school when he got bullied. He used to bloody wet himself when he slept, you know. And, well, what are we talking here? We're talking that Cole has childhood trauma. That the Ryan, was it Ryan we said? Ryan doesn't have that. He doesn't have this feeling that Carl has. And that feeling is feeling second best, maybe. Feeling scared. Feeling lonely. Feeling insecure. Feeling not as good as the others. Feeling like everybody, you know, is like good at football and they, they're they brilliant on sports day and like I'm I'm kind of I I don't feel like the other kids, right? It's it's childhood trauma is the driver for these conditions, this anxiety, right? Now, when Carl is at the festival, bang, he pops the pill, he gets the same high that Ryan did, 
But what Ryan didn't get and what Carl is getting is a lifetime of trauma has just lifted off this poor guy's shoulders. All that conscientious worry that, that secretly sits like in the back of his head and on his shoulders all day long, every day, even though he doesn't even know it, has gone. And he feels bloody brilliant, right? He feels like the cull that he should have felt like at school when they're bullying him and, 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 you know, and it's important to say here that different drugs will invoke that reaction with people. So for me, when I took crystal meth for the first time, oh, wow, I, I'd done a lot of drugs before that. None of them had the effect that crystal meth did on me. I, I did ecstasy, yeah, it was okay, but you know, bit of one or two lines of coke before them, yeah, it's sort of all right. Alcohol never had a problem with, you know, crystal meth. Bang. I felt awesome. I felt so blimmin' brilliant about the world, about myself. I discovered things like I never knew, right? I just, I never knew. I could paint, I could draw. Why do, why do you think I became a best-selling author? I learned I could write. But I failed everything at school. They told me I was a failure. This drug told me I'm actually quite good at stuff. So what does, what's the difference between Ryan and Carl? Well, the difference is Carl wants to go and do that drug as soon as blimmin' possible again. Because he wants this, oh, yes, this great feeling. It might not be as oh, you know, he's not going around, yeah, rave on. Ra no, 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 it's just, you know, you you wouldn't even know Carl is on this drug. But in his mind, he knows it and he feels good, right? Now, let's just take this further. So why does Carl's life become the problem? Well, Carl's life becomes a problem because then he starts to focus on getting this drug. I've got to get this drug because it makes me feel good. Now, what happens when we get preoccupied with something, particularly something that kind of distorts our thinking to a degree? Well, our, we exclude the other important things in life. You know, how many times have you heard the, the, the children of a father or mother who's had alcohol problems go, well, they didn't care about me, they just focused on the booze. That's all, you know, that was the most, they would leave us in the car and go to the pub for six hours, right? Do you see what I'm saying? So Carl there, he's suddenly like spending all his money on the drug. He's not paying, he, he's starting not to pay his bills. He's borrowing from friends. He's washing up, like he's left that because he keeps going, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But just like, I need some more drug, right? I need some more you know, I'm just, just going to get my drug. It will sort me out. And what happens is your life descends into chaos. But it's like the rat in the cage. Remember that experiment? The rat learns if he pushes the button, he gets a treat. So what does the rat do? He pushes the button. Then he gets the treat. Okay. 
pushes a button, get street, pushes a button, get street. Da, 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 da. What happens the day you take the treats away? What does the rat do? Pushes the button. Okay. He psychologically created a pattern in his mind that if he takes that treat, he's going to feel great and it's going to fix everything. You take the treat away, still does it, right? So what I'm saying is here is that Carl, when his life's falling apart, what's his answer to fixing all this? Was to go and get more of this wonder drug because it works, right? So that is, in a nutshell, the difference between drugs and addiction. It's not the end of the world. Why, I hear you ask? Well, look what Carl had going on in his life. He wasn't happy. He was going like in the wrong direction. He'd maybe been involved a bit in crime. He'd been a bit abusive towards people. He was always getting in fights, perhaps. He thought that this is going to make him happy or that is going to make... He had this kind of like misconstrued ideas about what manhood was and what about success was, right? And it might be Uriah character, your middle class, well-to-do, nothing, you know, had an easy... Well, what about if his dad was actually a real asshole that used to, like, push him out of the way, maybe beat him, right? Then you've got a guy that you think, oh, he's got a good background. His dad is the, you know, the director of ICI. He, he What's his? Well, no. They've got that childhood trauma, you see. You know, I hope... Um, um, I'm hope, I, I hope this makes sense. And the reason I'm saying it is that what Mother Nature does is she sees these people going astray and she says, guys, you're, you're kind of like going in the wrong direction and you're not going to end up happy. You're, you're seeking goals in this life that they're not going to, you know, getting a Porsche ain't going to make you happy, Ryan. Carl you know, go on down this path where you've got issues about 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 your dad. It's not going to make you happy. And I'm going to speed up now because I'm, I'm aware it, that this could get confusing. But basically, addiction is is can be nature's way of getting someone to address their behavior by sending them down to crash, which is exactly what happened to me. OK to crash at rock bottom. And when you're down there, you have a moment, it's called the epiphany. You can be down there for like a week. You could be down there for three years. But eventually you reach this point where you wake up one day and go, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? Where's my life gone? This druggy thing... It, it it's not working anymore, is it? And then you start to go up. It's called enlightenment. You start to put two and two together. You start to realize I need to rebuild my relationships. I need to stop focusing on this, the pain that I went through as a child, as, as it may be. And I need to start focusing on this. You know, let's get back into employment.
let's get stop playing football again right and i'm gonna suggest that well i mean i'm just gonna tell you my story like i'm so happy i went through that experience does that surprise you i mean i'm guessing it will a lot of people but i'm so happy i was kind of like a bit of an asshole before before addiction kind of put me on the right path so my parents didn't really need to worry that much when i went down that way i mean of course they did they were old school right they'd never taken drugs they didn't know they thought they called me every name under the sun you loser you're this you need to sort it out right but no you know let's step back here when i look at my life when i look at everything i've achieved i've got such a good son He's just awesome, right? Four years old. He's just brilliant. You know, he's got the hardest punch on him when we do our play fighting, my God, you know. Well, if I hadn't been through what I'd been through, I wouldn't have him. And I want him. I like him. So I'm glad I've been through what I've been through. If I hadn't gone through what I went through, I wouldn't be a best-selling author. And I kind of like, you know, writing books. It's been good. I kind of like my life. I like my traveling. I like being a pilot. So, you know, do you get what I'm saying? It's like addiction. We frame it quite badly in this in this country. I really hope I'm making sense, my friends. You know, if there's anything you want us, put a comment in the box. And so, what are the problems, the dangers of drugs? Well, I've ta I've talked you through the, the overdose and the festival. The, the, the other thing I'm saying is obviously the longer you take them, the more you're taking hits of ill health. You know, look at a drinker. And look at the way they age compared to a non-drinker. Look at a smoker and look at the lines as their body is aging from the inside out. And their internal organs are struggling to process this poison. That's what drugs are. They're a poison. Might be from a factory, might be from a plant, right? But essentially they're a poison. You're taking little hits of poison, you know, whatever it might be, every day. It's going to add up, right? So I'm just mentioning that. It's it's, it's on my list. Um, so, the, you know, this is the scenario we need to avoid. We need to stop people getting to the... Um, point in their lives where they just sit on a drug problem and they're going nowhere and of course without wishing to sidetrack too far this is kind of where the methadone problem be becomes problematic sorry the methadone prescription becomes problematic because you're doping people up to keep them in a kind of status quo Whereas if you remember what I said, I needed to smash and hit rock bottom to start going up again, right? But I kind of digress there. Now, what can you do? I've told you this. I've told you my story. I've told you what drugs are, what addiction is and how they're confused. Well, first off, don't panic. If your son wants his back, he's smoked a joint. You're far better say, son, I just love you so much. And I just want you to know that. And you are you are brilliant. 
if all your mates are smoking joints, like, I kind of don't expect you to be the only one that comes home and doesn't. Because it's an experience like everything in, in, in life. I'm not saying here, folks, that all kids should go and smoke joints. That's not my not my point. And also, not all kids will smoke go and smoke joints. They might not have a peer group that even does anything like that, right? But what but what I will say is if you're that damaged young person, if you've got that fractured psyche that's kind of secretly or unbeknown unbeknowingly looking to feel a bit normal then kind of drug use is it it's not it's not that you're just gonna it's gonna be inevitable because you'll you'll be that kind of like experimental character like you're looking for the answers in life and if someone says chris chris smoke some of this or take the you're gonna go well you know my parents tried to scare the shit out of me about this but i'm i'm just gonna do it anyway right because you're looking and you'll get that happiness. But of course, as we discussed, it's that character that is it has a predilection to addiction, right? So you can educate people. We're gonna look at my list here now, right? You can you can start by recognizing young people who are likely to be susceptible to addiction okay it's done in australia they have a red flag system every child that comes into australian education is allocated points depending on their social scenario so if they've got absent father there's a tick in a certain box if they've got you know if they live in this kind of area and this is not about being judgmental guys not at all it's about predicting where that young person's mindset is going to be and if they're going to develop that mindset because maybe they've had the abusive father right that they're going to have that mindset where they're they're predisposed to addiction and the australian authorities they want to recognize that so they can support the young person at the very least they're in a position then to 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 help the young person understand what they're going through right they can say, Chris, look, you know, you've kind of had it rough, dude. We recognise that. But you need to understand when you get introduced to drugs or it might be alcohol, it might seem a real release for you. You might think you found the answer to all your prayers. But please believe us, it's it's going to really kind of push you to the limit, right? At least the person knows that then. So they're not like me. When I was going through my real bad addiction. I didn't know what was happening to me. I had to go through all the denial and the, the, these phases of, hey, yeah, I just like to take a drug, you know. So education. You talk to people, what are drugs? What do they do? You can show them this video. You can teach the difference between uh, drugs and addiction. You can show them examples of a homeless person they're on the street they're asking for money because they want to buy heroin right you can say why is this young person there or or why is this the you know, old man there whatever it might be what what's going through why don't why can't they be happy to function in society and then you can explain well this person has experienced trauma in their life 
And then you can start to suggest positive ways of dealing with it. You've got your mindfulness, right? You've got talking therapies. You've got um, just understanding like that this life is actually brilliant as itself. You don't need to take drugs. You can you can understand things like we're all equal. You know, you're not insignificant. You're loved. This kind of thing. I'm, I'm not going to go on here. I'm just 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 a few examples. Right. You can talk about safety. Look, son, you're going to start going to festivals. You're 18. Right. Your friends are going to go, hey, I've got a pill. You know, you can say, you know, John that holds up that pill to you. He, have a look at his life. Think what he's been through. Think why he needs the need to experiment. And son, if you're going to do it, or daughter, if you're going to, like, go steady. You just start with a small bit. You know, I'm not advocating taking drugs here, folks. You you get that right. You know, we're talking about safety. You take a small bit. See how, you know, if you're going to do it, take a, how you get on. Remember, you can always phone me if you get a problem. Let's talk about it afterwards. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to bloody send you to your room or, or, or you're blacklisted from the family dinner on the you know all those old school stuff that doesn't work okay um you can point them in in towards role models who in life has gone through terrible drug addictions you know maybe it's a celebrity on the tv and you can see that they all come to the same place eventually Steve-O, do you remember Jackass? My God, that guy was crazy, right? He also had monster drug problems, right? He His was so bad that Johnny Knoxville and the rest of the crew grabbed him one day and said, listen, mate, you're going to rehab. Now, that won't actually work if the person's not ready. It just won't work. You have to decide in yourself when you're ready. Here's the thing, though. Steve-O was ready. He realised, like, I can't keep going on like this. I'm going to die. And I'm losing everything. I'm losing my fame. I'm losing my money. You know, I've got a chance to actually make something in my life here because people like Steve-O, right? And it just happened to be good timing for him, you know? And if you look at that guy now, he's so healthy. He's completely plant-based diet. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't, doesn't take substances, right? Very giving person, very honest person, you know? A role model, right? Um, you can understand how to signpost people. Okay, your, your child's having a problem. You can get them to go and talk to a drug worker or a youth worker. Do, do you get it? Um, and if your young person is going down that road, you need to display un conditional love you're not trying to change them you're not going to if they're on that road to find themselves there's nothing you will you know do to divert them if you're going along as a right you stop doing that shit right you're out the house you know you're a loser never gonna work folks honestly never gonna work but what you can do is say listen daughter son I love you so much. I'm always going to love you. I'm here for you if you want to come and talk. 
I really want you to get through this and get it over and give them, go on with your life. Please, you know, but I'm here and I'm not going to judge you and I'm not going to try and make you live my life. But be warned, if you cross the line, if you start stealing from me, if you start abusing family members, for example, then there's a line there because actions have consequences. And if you don't draw that line, folks, what you're doing is you're enabling that young person. It's called enabling. You go, oh, look, look, there's there's 20 quid. Go and go and get get your drop. Right. It's fine to give them 20 quid, 20 bucks to, to pay a bill that they're struggling. Da, 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 da. But once you start going, oh, it's my poor little baby. Like they need drugs. I'm going to give them the like that's called enabling. Once you start going, oh, well, you know, you upset the whole family last weekend. You stole, you know, our grandfather clock and you sold it down the second hand shop to buy four bags of heroin. But we forget it. It's, you know, it's called enabling. You need to draw a line and say, no, you're not going to steal from us. Sorry, that's that doesn't that's not how society works. There's consequences. And what you're doing then is you're allowing that that person to assess where do they want to be in life? Do they want to be that thieving you know, thieving a little scallywag because it's not, it's not good. It, it, it's reasons for change. I'll do another video about change and how change comes around. Okay. So yeah, I think I've talked enough. Um, thank you for listening. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You obviously care about people or, or you've got a concern and you've taken the time you know, you've taken the time to learn. But this old school kind of methods of going into schools, telling them the horror story. You take drugs, you're going to throw yourself off a building, you're going to die, you're going to da 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 da. It, it just doesn't work. It simply, it, it can't work. If there's people in that audience that are predisposed to go and take, you know, because they're suffering from trauma, they're probably going to do it. And you telling them that this struggle kill them or this thing or, you know, make them it it because what happens is the first time they experience taking a drug and they feel brilliant, they go, well, hang on, I didn't die, I didn't lose all my money, I didn't end up homeless. Ah, oh, all this stuff my parents' generation said. What a freaking load of nonsense. You know what do they know, right? You ignore them. Um, so. I think it's better to take take the approach that I said. But like I said, you know, I'm just trying to give my experience. I'm not saying this is the only way. But I'm going to shut up now. Thank you for watching. Any questions, put them below. Well done. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username... Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.